20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots, shots, shots! This Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Does that. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, streaming only on Hulu, Friday. Brad, I'm counting two and a half days until opening day. Is that right? Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, I, I, half of Friday? D- today's over. So it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> the work day is over. So <laughs> we got one day until opening day for the rest of baseball, two days for the big boys, the Giants, and... Um, I can't even tell you. I'm so excited. Triple A starts tonight. Yeah. Uh, Sacramento. Living here in Reno. uh, You know, I follow the Aces. They're in Vegas tonight. Uh, We're going to be in Vegas in June. So I was looking up and and Vegas is going to be at home. So I thought, oh, I might go check out a game. And then Denise reminded me, you remember when we go in June, it's like 115 (laughs) degrees. I said, oh, yeah, maybe that's not a good idea. (laughs) All right. So uh, we are going to bring on here in a second – um, somebody who I've been reading of late, I, I subscribed to his Substack sometime over the summer, I believe, and then I subscribed to the paid version um, just uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's Roger Munter. He has the There Are Giants Substack. He covers the minor leagues to a very thorough degree. Brad and I have talked on previous shows that we're going to cover the minors uh this year a little bit more closely and uh, this is going to be like my tool here like just yeah. having roger's stuff is is going to be such a great resource for well, me we can't even compare to the level that he has it we're we're like surface level miners yes, uh, yes, we'll, yes. We'll, we got a couple of our favorites and, yes but he is <laughs> if you want the deep stuff if you want everything about the giants miner this is your this is your guy yeah so uh we're gonna bring him on in a second and next week we will also be on Tuesday because on Monday night I'm going to a game. Uh, so they play the Padres. Uh, so yeah. they have three with Florida, and then Monday with the Padres. I'll be going to that game, um, bringing hot take Bry. So he'll come on with us Tuesday, and we'll have our live thoughts of, of the San Francisco Giants team. Um, before we bring Roger on, I just wanted to make a mention. So this podcast feed, if you are listening to the audio of this podcast. This podcast, uh, the the name of the the feed is going to change. It's been Thompson to Clark now for two years. Brad and I have been doing this. It is going to change to the Bay Area Sports Podcast Network because we're bringing on two other shows. We're going to bring on a Golden State Warriors show, and we're going to bring on a San Francisco 49ers show. That is going to happen sometime in the very near future. I, I'm just waiting on people to kind of help me with that, so I don't can't give you an exact date. It's going to change. And then we're going to change a lot of our socials. We're going to have, there'll be a, a new YouTube page. Uh, our Thompson to Clark Instagram will switch over to the uh, Bay Area Sports Podcasting Network, a.k.a. BSPN, for, uh, for, for that. And we have, we'll, have, we'll put a Twitter out. So we're just we're changing it. We're bringing on more shows. Bay Area Sports is kind of what I do. I know Brad. He, he's he's a Rams fan, so he's going to have to sit yes. with the idea. Got this today. <laughs> we can watch it later. He's going to sit with the idea that he's <laughs> going to be in the same feed as a 49ers podcast. Yeah, I'll, He'll have, I'll have to live. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then, yeah, so that will happen sometime in the very near future. So let's hit our intro music, and then we will bring Roger in. 
Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have pumped on in. The Giants have won the pennant. Hey, Roger, I was a very bad podcast host because when you jumped on, I did not make sure that I was pronouncing your last name correctly. Well, it's yeah, I think you did. Uh, it's it's Munter, just like Hunter. In fact, very, very frequently in my life, people have very kindly corrected my last name to Hunter for me. So, yeah. oh, wow. I don't, don't know if you noticed your name was misspelled on this thing here, but we corrected the name <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's a great that's a great story uh, as someone who's uh whose last name does i don't get the i don't get the mispronunciation but i get the misspelling constantly which is kind of good if you don't really want to be googled all that much because if people constantly <laughs> misspell your name you're you're kind of okay um okay so my first name all the time actually people are always sticking a d in my first name i'm like oh, oh yeah. enough with the d interesting <laughs> Okay, so I mentioned your 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 Substack. There are giants. Explain Substack to folks who are not really understanding understanding you know publishing on the internet these days. Uh, I find it to be great because I love to just see things in my email and pop them open and, and read them. Uh, but explain how you came to be a, a Substack writer here. Yeah, Substack is something that really has kind of taken off, um, I, I guess, because of the changes going on in, in, in media, where you have a lot of people who are sort of national writers for various outlets, um, you know, kind of being let go in this form. Substack is a self-publishing newsletter that goes direct to subscribers' inboxes, and you have a lot of flexibility as kind of how often you're delivering it, what how big it is I, I, I as a as a person who can never apparently write enough it's, <laughs> it's really helpful to me there's no size limit because i i'll go on and on and on um but you just kind of write what you want to write um if people are interested in it they sign up as you know uh, free subscribers or uh, paid subscribers and usually there are different tiers um you kind of write it up hit published it goes straight to all the people's inboxes uh there's now actually an app which is quite useful so it has its own its very own um infrastructure where you'll have your inbox if you sign up for a bunch of different people's in uh, substack letters you can have them all in your inbox you can have mm. the videos uh, it's a pretty cool app uh, i've been playing with it lately but a lot of people you know uh, craig calcaterra and uh um uh, uh um Molly Knight and, you know, people like that who you have seen in big national places right. elsewhere yeah. have gone to this model because it's really flexible. It's really easy. Uh, you can kind of make it what you want, uh, interact with the people who subscribe with you, ask them what they want, and then kind of deliver that. It's a pretty easy and robust uh, device for getting your message to people who are interested in the kind of stuff you write about, which is the, uh, without having to design a website, which was yeah. way, way, way beyond <laughs> my capabilities. Right? Well, well, here, here in the Bay Area, the big writer to go for to sub, Substack is Ethan Schraus, who writes about mm -hmm. the. He was previously on the Athletic, writing about the Warriors. Now he's on Substack, you know, writing about anything and everything, and he's successfully done it. Like I heard him on the Bill Simmons podcast. And he's creating, you know, he was already, he, you know, he works for ESPN as well, 
But this thing is allowing him to, I would say, be a little bit more honest without getting in as much trouble mm-hmm. as he may have gotten in, uh, you know, at ESPN or the Athletic. But you know, he's 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 publishing things that I'm sure that he was not allowed to publish on the Athletic as well, which kind of creates this interesting dynamic of honesty with the audience, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. know, like you you write in in a in a pretty. Uh, I would say joyous style, very happy, joyous, fun style. Thank I don't you. think you, I don't think you're writing anything about <laughs> skeletons in the closet, but right. <laughs> you know, if if you, if that was more your, you, where you were leaning, you could probably do it a little bit easier, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's been a great, po- so just before we get into this, let people know, how do they go find your Substack? Yeah. So uh, there's actually a couple of ways. Uh, the, the branded way is there are giants.com, which is uh, just like my shirt here. There are the letter R for Roger and giants.com. If you type that in, you'll find my sub stack. Uh, if, if that's too hard for you, you can sneakily just type in rogermunter.substack.com. And that will also take you there kind of the back door. Um, and, and, and frankly, if you follow me on Twitter uh, at run 61, I put everything up there and, yeah, you, know, you can make your way to it. I think uh, pretty <laughs> yeah. easy. But thereargiants.com is is the actual Substack site. So speaking of previous places for writing, uh, where have where have we possibly read you in the past? Uh, so the big place I, I came through to this in a very backdoor sort of way, which was most of my professional career, uh, but. Uh, Grant Brisby, who, of course, is now with The Atlantic, uh, he started a long time ago a, a great a little blog uh, called Waiting for Boof, actually. It was the first name of that before it got turned into McCovey Chronicles. Wait, uh, is that is that a reference to Boof Bonser? It was. It was a reference to <laughs> Boof Bonser. Because uh, Grant always was very interested in, in the minor leagues. Anyway, I used to just hang out on there, and he, he'd contact me and say, hey, you know, do you want to write for the site? Do you want to write minor league stuff? Uh, and he did that a few times. And one day I just said, yeah, sure. Why not? I will start doing this. Um, and, and, you know, it was just side gig. I had other jobs, but for several years I started, I wrote a a daily minor league, just very similar to my Substack. It was this very long wrap up of everything that happened in the farm system called minor lines. And I did that for years and years and years and years. And then uh, as you guys are probably aware, there was the, the legislation passed in California um, dealing with sort of gig economy uh, that caused Vox to eliminate all their contractors on the Sports Nation sites in California. And that was kind of the, the, the crisis point for me. I was like, I really enjoy writing this. I've gotten to the point where I, I have a, a great relationship with people who read me and I don't really want to stop doing it. But I also don't really want to design my own website, mm-hmm. which seemed, you know, really overwhelming to me. And I, I think it was Tom Ziller actually was the guy who put out this Substack kind of who covers the NBA. He's a great, great NBA writer. Um, and he put this thing out and I said, Hey, that's actually a pretty solution. That's pretty doable. I think I can do this. And so I, I kind of took my, took my bit as it were straight from McCovey Chronicles over to the Substack um, without changing it too much. It's still meant to be, you know, a comprehensive one-stop shop. If you want to know anything about any player in this system, it should be in, you know, my daily posts, uh, you know, somewhere along the line. I cover every game. I cover every player at every level. Uh, I try and keep up with, you know, what's going on in the media about the players, uh, you know, minor league issues in general. 
and just dump it all in here. So it's one place you can go to for basically anything you want to know about the farm. So I think an obvious question is the fascination with the miners, especially going back several years, because now you can subscribe to MILB TV and you can, Mm -hmm. you can watch some of the games, but I don't imagine getting information was all that easy for you, especially when you're covering it as in depthly as you are. Yeah. And I, I am a long old time minor league lover. And I just got the bug early. I, you know, I I was was saying, Doug, when I was a kid, you know, the Fresno Bee was the, was the daily paper in my house. And for years and years and years, the Fresno giants were uh, the California league team of the giants. Well, you'd open the B and there'd be the story on the giants. And then there'd be a story on the little giants. And, you know, when I was, 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, that age, the big giants were not actually doing that well. You know, there was like <laughs> yeah. 73, 74. They were really falling on hard times while Fresno uh, was winning a league championship, I think in 74. And, you know, there's this kid like Jack Clark, this like 18 year old kid who was yeah. just an amazing stud. So you like read the big story. I'm like, eh. but then you read the little story. I'm like, well, this is exciting. Right. And then a couple of years later, you see these guys in the majors. So I was bit with that bug pretty early on i was one of those people who found baseball america really really early you know the print magazine and i I remember john Manuel, who was at baseball america for millions of years he's like i remember you you were one of those guys used to write in letters to Mm. ask va you know when the mail system the ups system was the only way where you could hear from people and like yeah that was me (laughs) um and then i don't know about 20 years ago i was living in maryland i was you know i I used to freelance kind of tv video production stuff and i was and the giants moved their a-ball team to hagerstown which wasn't that far from me and i had a pretty flexible kind of lifestyle at that point i just started going to the game constantly and you know like matt kane was on that team and you know, Scott Munter, hey, the bowling ball uh, sinker, and you know, Francisco <laughs> Liriano came through, and Travis Ishikawa, and that was the point where it really kind of rededicated me to this is a fascinating thing to focus on in terms of how organizations stay healthy, and and that's when I really started kind of going into it in deep as I could, and writing about it, and going to the games, and talking to the players, and listening to people who knew about development as much as I could. Um, And yeah, you do that for 20 years or so, and hopefully the knowledge starts to build up. So is there a scouting aspect to this role that you have? Like, have you talked to scouts and because you have some very detailed information about stuff at the prospect level that, you know, your normal baseball fan is, is maybe not following very closely because part of what you're doing is you're analyzing guys for the next levels and you kind of know what the big team is looking for. Yeah. And so I am, I am not a scout. I'm, I'm very amateur in my enjoying appreciation. Uh, but I do, because uh, when I started the Substack letter about that same time, I also re- retired from my day job. So I, I, I now go, you know, I have media passes. I go to the Richmond games every day. I, last year I took a, a road trip for myself and I went and, uh, you know, spent a week in San Jose, spent a week in Eugene. And that brings me in, you know, constant conversation with scouts. And I've always been a guy who would go to the game and sit in the scout section, uh, you know, first to kind of eavesdrop, you know, and then later as I got a little more comfortable, 
you know, asking questions, um, you know, which you, you have to do this respectfully, right? Because this is actually their mm-hmm. office and you don't just blunder into people's yeah. office and say, you know, mind if I, you know, totally distract you. But if you wait for the right moment and you, you chat with scouts, they love to talk. I mean, these guys love baseball. They're all field rats and they love to talk about players. So it's not that hard to get scouts talking. And then it's, you know, a matter of kind of listening, hearing diverse voices. Um, but the last few years, oh, I was at just at spring training, the minor league camp um, for a couple of weeks this month. And, you know, they're a big group of scouts there every day. And uh, you know, several of them actually know me. They know what I'm doing um, because the baseball world's connected. So, oh, yeah, I, I follow you on Twitter. I know who you are. Uh, and, you know, you just sit and talk players for a while. And then I basically try and take, you know, the things I'm hearing and, and bring it to the reader. Um, you know, there's some organizational guys who I, I, I talk to in various organizations and, you know, the, the more, the more you're around, the more people are comfortable with you, the more they're going to talk to you uh, and, and share their insights. And so I'm just trying to convey other people's insights. Uh, uh, not, uh, I'm not, I'm not Mr. Scout myself, although of course I have my favorite guys who I, who I love. Watching. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's no I in team, but there is one in indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Have you ever had over the years, speaking of, you know, you talking to all the scouts, have you ever had a scout call you or email you and say, hey, I missed my trip out to here and I and it, give me a quick report on what so-and-so did? Um, I That has started happening. Wow. Um, and I've amazing. also had people say, oh, I saw the video you shot of that guy. Uh, nice. So, uh, and it, actually, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, everybody I likes say, a little, a little ego stroke in in your yeah. world, right? That's, that's fun. It's like, oh wow, is it, you know, people people who know what they're doing are watching what I'm doing. That's pretty cool. So yeah, it's another set of eyes for them. I mean, you're Absolutely. you're a tool for them. So that's fantastic. So Roger, I see, I saw you sipping something back there, and I told you before we came on, this is kind of a little gimmick for Brad and I. Uh, what what were you drinking back there? I, I was happy to join that gimmick. I, I as you guys know, your, your listeners do not know this, but I was supposed to, uh, I don't know, 
uh, time has lost meaning. A few, somewhere in the last few days, I was supposed to fly from Fort Lauderdale back to my house in Washington, D.C., which ended up turning into about a long three-day ordeal oh. along, the, <laughs> along the planes, trains, and automobiles uh, kind of storyline. And I ended up driving, literally, I drove the whole way back. Uh, wow. With the, with the last rental car in Fort Lauderdale, leaving, oh, screaming people behind me in the line uh, oh. and had like this 18 hour drive that just ended earlier today. So with that said, <laughs> I'm very happy to be sipping uh, uh, a little bit of red, I, a, a little, a nice little, a nice little Merlot that's going to put me into my bed comfortably <laughs> uh, when we're done here. Much, much deserved. <laughs> Brad, what are you drinking over there? Well, I, I you know, I was tell, telling Roger, he had mentioned that he was up in the Chico area back in the day. So I almost, I, and I didn't even know that, and I almost poured us here in Nevada Pale Ale, which that was my, my introduction into craft brews in 1991 when I was 21-ish. So, um but I, I ended up going with our local here, Great Basin Brewing Company out of Reno, Nevada. These guys have been around since 95. This is the Outlaw Milk Stout. Nice. It's a nice, simple little 5% kind of meaty stout, uh, very smooth. And uh, the Giants are the outlaws, right? They came in, <laughs> stole the West from the Dodgers <laughs> this year. They're going to come on in and steal the World Series title from the Braves. So. <laughs> There we go. All right. I I was telling Brad last week that I literally go to the grocery store now and just find stuff to that I wouldn't necessarily buy to for myself, but for this podcast. So here's another one. Now, this is a Jimmy Beam classic highball canned cocktail. There you go. So, uh, you know, sugar. I actually no, it's not no. that bad. Uh, there's a there, there's a li- there there's a little bit of something because there's a little bit of citrusy flavor, but um, I'll I'll do it again on on the mic. But um, yeah, that was the thing. I was like, oh my gosh, there's gonna be a lot of sugar, and it's not it's not sweet that sweet at all. But it does That's have good. a little bit, so not not the best. But uh, if you enjoy the highball, which I do, uh, a little bit of seltzer and some whiskey, it's it's pretty refreshing thing. So I, I'm Excellent. digging it. Uh, okay, so back to Roger's uh, expertise here. So obviously, most Giants fans know the top, the tippy top prospects. And I was actually interested in, you know, th- there's the difference between somebody who they draft maybe at the college level who's going to come in and, you know, within a year or two be be ready to to play in the majors. Some like a Tim Lincecum, some like a Buster mm-hmm. Posey, Will Clark. Those are guys who are ready to deliver. They played some college baseball. But when it comes to some of these younger guys who come in, maybe an international prospect or maybe someone right out of high school, you've had the opportunity to see some folks, you know, in the minors for three years, four years. Who has been like the most fun player or, you know, you can even name a couple to just kind of follow from the beginning all the way through? Because I think a lot of Giants fans right now are – uh, following Luciano in that way, right? Because he's this right. highly, yeah. highly touted prospect. But who have been some of the ones that that you loved following? Well, uh, you know, if I if I can go back a few years, I remember seeing Matt Kane when he was eighteen, and just immediately fell in love with him. he was like an immediate prospect love and then watching him he actually moved very quickly for a high school kid watching those guys go up through the years on the same team actually his same low a team was travis ishikawa who had a very very slow struggling 
move up through the ladder. So we'd kind of go up and then back down and then come back and have some success and go up. Um, and so I, I and he's, think, the, he's now you know, coaching. He's in coaching system, right? in, in San Jose. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but a guy like that who you see really go through struggles and then, you know, have that moment in, in at the top level, that's always really, really cool. Um, there's a lot of guys on this, on, on, on the team now. I mean, Caravan Castro, you know, he's a guy who just sort of pops for the the average fan last year, basically. He gets out on the 40 and then put him on. Um, but he's been around in the system for years and years and years and years. He's mostly been hurt, so he hasn't done that much. But he's been in the organization since 2015. And watching kind of him go from, you know, he was as an amateur, not as a professional, but as an amateur, he was a catcher. He couldn't get anyone to sign him that way. He converted to pitcher. You know, the Giants signed him as a 16-year-old. He almost immediately had Tommy John, and he loses two years, and he comes back and pitches just a little bit. And then he had just this one year, not even a full season ball, in short season ball as a starting pitcher where he was like the also the, the starting pitcher of his league's all-star game as a starting pitcher. Um, and then suddenly, you know, he's in the majors. He almost goes from short season ball to the majors, which is just this unprecedented – you know, jump. And of course, 2020 and all its weirdness had a lot to do with that. Um, but I love stories like that, you know, watching these guys who were really, really unheld. I mean, Camilo Duvall was in that same signing class with him. He's another guy who goes back to 2015. Uh, and he's kind of hit all of these levels. When the guys start the levels at the DSL first, and then they're in the AZL, this was the Pablo Sandoval story, who I, I was another guy who I absolutely loved, right? He's 16 in the DSL. He's 17 in the Arizona rookie league. He's 18 in short season ball. He's 19 when he gets to low A at that point, he's in his fourth season as a professional and he's barely made it to the lowest rung on what, you know, most of the American kids coming in through the draft where they start, you know, the, the international kids have a long, long road to haul. They start really early. They start really young. Uh, you know, when they're like, sophomores in high school right and they have to go through so much development physically mature education um it's just so impressive to see them when they kind of like get through all of that and rise up to the top where they can you know start contributing to the major league team uh so i love those guys who have been on these long 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 journeys that you've sort of followed them every step of the way uh so your list you have you you wrote out your top 50 i'm gonna say (laughs) I haven't gotten through all of them yet, but I will eventually get through all of them. Um, my favorite profile that you wrote was on Joey Bart because mm-hmm. I think most fans who have sat with him for a little while, who've watched him for a little while, I would say they're a little less high on him than maybe they were two years ago. And some of that is because the pandemic season and he has mentioned some of the things uh, recently about how it was Buster's team. Like he couldn't be himself necessarily because it was Buster's team. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, the baseball America stuff and, and all the prospect stuff, they're basically saying, look, he's going to hit for power. He's not going to really hit for average. You know, he, he, he defensively, he he's leaning strong in certain areas but here maybe not. And so I think just the whole public perception of him is a little down. And after reading your profile, I was like, yes, this is still Joey Bart. Like we should still be excited <laughs> about this guy. And so I think, I feel like 
he had a he had a he has, he's had a pretty solid spring, striking out a ton, which is expected. But maybe we're upticking back on Joey Bart a little bit. And and, and I so I really appreciate your profile. But what was your favorite one, or which one do you think was the best one that you, you'd written? Because you were publishing these things very quickly and very often. Uh, yeah, I spilled a lot of words on that list, and I, I don't know that I'm ever going to do that same uh, kind of project. But I I, I wrote somewhere between three and 4,000 words on 50 different guys pushed out at a, a rate of three times a week. So uh, it, it was a pretty large project that I spent the winter on. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that too. And I think the thing that it's always important to remember, I, look, I'm a fan. I, and the thing to remember when you're a fan is you're kind of an idiot, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and overreaction theater is what we specialize in. Whatever we just saw, that's the way it's always going to be. I, I, whenever a guy comes up and struggles, one of my favorite examples is, you know, Aaron judge. If you go back and look at Yankee fan comments after Aaron judge made his debut in the majors and he, he was what for like six weeks or something, he hit like 150 and struck out 60% of the time. It's like, Oh, this guy's a bust. He's never going to be any good. <laughs> well, that's what we do as fans. Yeah. Um, and one Guys get better. That's you know, mm-hmm. that's what happens. You get to the majors, you feel overwhelmed. The speed of the game is fast, and you have to figure out that you belong there. And then you get better. And then two, Joey Bart just had a lot of weird things happen to him, essentially because of COVID. Uh, but being forced into a major league starting lineup with no fans in the stands, right? Away. So it's this artificial yeah. weird major league starting lineup after essentially 20 games in double a is not something that is supposed to happen to a guy. It's not something that is good for a player's development. Uh, and so I, I sort of humbly suggested that we should cut him some slack. He's still a guy who is really, really interesting, but I think just in general with prospects, fans turn off prospects if they have struggling years in the minors, but that's actually what the minors are there for. They're, to help you learn to get better. They're not there for, you know, a parade of fancy stat lines struggling. You know, Elliot Ramos has had struggling years, Yeah, you know, and here's where he was 18 and they uh, pushed him into low a aggressively and it was hard for him. And the next year you saw adjustments to me, that's actually in some ways more exciting than a guy who's just, you know, great, 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 because somewhere you're not going to be great. And somewhere you have to learn those skills of, how do I adjust back when things are a struggle? Um, so uh, to answer your question, which I've never yet done, uh, <laughs> what are fun ones? I mean, I I love the the guys who are interesting stories, but I, I suppose I'm probably an underdog person at heart. So some of the players who really aren't big prospects, but are just really, really fun to watch play, uh, I loved writing those guys up. Brett Auerbach was one of my favorites. And I think when I wrote that one up and I, and I put it out on Twitter, my, my my promotion for that story was, this is a guy you're going to like watching play, right? And then we got to spring training and everybody's like, who's that guy? He's fun to watch. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I told you. Ismael Munguia, uh is another guy like that who was a uh, center fielder from Nicaragua who's an undersized player like Auerbach with just this huge motor really fun guy uh unfortunately is is injured to start the year this year 
Um, but I kind of like those guys. I, I like the guys who are, you probably don't know that much about this guy, but he's really, really fun and you should pay attention to him. Those are stories I enjoy telling. Yeah. You, you kind of hit on something too, the, the, the giants philosophy, uh, since Farhan stepped in it, it is a little bit more on the conservative side. And, and again, the pandemic had a lot to do with that. We mm-hmm. know, um, but going forward, do you think the Giants are going to kind of continue with the conservative uh, approach when it comes to the minor league uh, promotions? Because, um, again, I, I think it's working. You and, and you hit on it, too, saying that, you know, seeing a guy go up and down and up and down, they're going to learn. They're going to learn, you know, here's a curveball uh, at the at the single A level. Here's a curveball at the double A level. Here's a curveball at the triple A level. They're all different. Uh, so do you think the, the Giants would take that approach going forward? You know, the the old line of thumb is players will tell you where they belong. Um, the Giants said last year that they wanted to be conservative with placement, but aggressive with promotions. I think the loss of 2020 made everybody a little rusty, so they weren't maybe as aggressive as they might have thought they were going to be going into the year just because the opportunities weren't necessarily there as much as they might have thought. Um one thing that's been really interesting about them under Farhan, and I was just having this conversation before I came on with you, is they've been quite conservative in their placement of college pitchers. Uh, the right. the old regime, the you know Sabian Tidro, you know if they took a, a Will Bednar with a first round pick uh, or Sean Jelly, you know second round pick, you could guarantee pretty much those guys were going to start their full season career in San Jose. They were going to jump up to High A. Um, the last three years, the Giants uh, have consistently started those guys in low A. And like Jelly and Jake Wong, who they didn't even draft, right? They, those were the previous uh, regime's drafters. But they started them both in Augusta, and they moved them both up fast. Like somewhere in May, both those guys came up to San Jose. Um, and at that time, it was a little bit of an eye-raising. But this year, you'll see Will Bednar, um, Matt Mikulski, Mason Black, their top three pitchers from last year's draft, all of them college guys, all of them are going to start in San Jose. Uh, I, I think this is something that we're seeing as a trend on them, that they're at, at transitioning these guys into pro ball slowly, you know, letting them get their feet under them. They may not stay there that long. Bednar may move pretty quickly, but they're going to go easy on them, I think, as a as a initial environment and let them feel confident before they start to move them. But ultimately – um, so you've got this bunch in Eugene, uh, who are really this amazing wave of the future that all Giants fans are probably pretty excited about, right? There's Marco Luciano, there's Louis Matos, there's Jairo Pomares, there's Kyle Harrison, right? That's four 20 year olds and a 21 year old who hopefully are a wave of the future. All four of those guys were in San Jose last year, Harrison and Matos, they left there all year, even though both were very, very successful. But I yeah. think they took this, the, the idea, these guys are teenagers they're in their first full season. It's the first time they played six months of daily baseball. They're learning how to be, you know, get their body in shape. In Matos's case, it was his first experience playing in the States really as a professional because he played in the DSL mostly in 2019. So they left him there for the full year. Luciano and Pomaros, they moved up kind of late. I would say this year they would be more aggressive with those guys if they get off to good start, right? They wouldn't necessarily have Matos and Harrison stay in Eugene 
at the level of sort of performance dominance they did last year in San Jose. If they perform that way, I bet you'll see them get moved up. So I, you know, I think it's, you know, case to case, but some of it is, okay, where is this guy physically? What's his age? Uh, what is his experience level? Has he played a full season before? Uh, because it can be pretty dislocating to be promoted. Promoting is excited, right? But it's also comes with, as we know, a host of, you know, uh, you have these kids talking about having four different leases. Uh, well, the housing right. thing is a different situation with now, <laughs> yeah. now being taken care of better. Yeah. But there are a lot of lifestyle dislocations that are involved with midseason promotions that fans don't necessarily think about, but they affect kind of what's going on in a, in a kid's you know, mental capacity. Uh, and, and those are the kind of things I think the Giants are looking at is how do we make it? How do we challenge them, but not disorient them? Yeah. And, and something people don't take into account. Also, a lot of these guys, some of the you know, 20, 21 years old, they might be married. They, they might have a family and, and you're yeah. uprooting a family every time you're moving yeah. around. So, yeah. yeah, that's kind of tough. All right. Uh, I have one last question. Uh, you've already been so generous with your time here, so I don't want to keep you too long. I know it's been a long few days for you. Yeah, Who are the guys who can help the Giants are the, 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 the big league team? Very veteran heavy. They're one mm-hmm. of the oldest teams in the league which means possibly injuries come along. And so we've, we're already seeing it in spring training. Who out of who's, who's ready at AAA to step in if they lose an outfielder, if they lose a starting pitcher, if they lose one of their ace relievers, which guys do you think are kind of the ones who are knocking at the door, depending on what position is necessary to, to help this really veteran team who, who is, who is also expecting to be a really good team. So the, the the easiest answer, particularly in modern in today's baseball, is let's start with the relief pitchers, right? There's a lot of arms who who are on the forty man who are ready to come up. Uh, we saw Duval do that at the end of last year. We saw Kevin Kester do that at the end of this last year. Uh, Gregory Santos is in that same position. He had an eighty game suspension last year for drugs, but you know, one hundred and two mile an hour fastball with this unbelievable slider, very like Duval. He's a guy. Junior Marte, who they actually picked up as a, a minor league free agent before last year out of the Royal system. He's now on the 40-man, another extremely hard thrower. And then behind them, a guy like R.J. Dabovich, who was uh, their fourth-round pick in 2020 out of Arizona State. Uh, he's a guy with a super, super high spin rate fastball, uh, big hop in the zone, and this just killer knuckle curve that, that tunnels out of it and dives down. Uh, he's going to start in Richmond, but he's a guy who can move fast. So you've got all these relief arms. So that's, that's one category of guys. <laughs> and they'll use them like they, they did will. last year. Absolutely. Um, and, oh, and not to mention, you know, Sammy Long, who we saw last year. He's a guy who you can anticipate seeing again this year. Uh, Sean Jelly was put on the 40-man, so he's going to be in that line of people to make starts. He moved up to AAA late last year. And, you know, the, the PCL is an extreme hitter-friendly environment. It is very difficult on pitchers. Uh, so he, he, he learned some of that last year. That there's a lot more hits in that league. He'll go back there this year and, and you know, work on things. He's got good, good stuff. He comes from this weird seven-foot angle. He throws 94-95 with a good curve, throws strikes. Um, so he's going to have to put himself in a position to be ready when called upon because he will be called upon. 
And right there with him is Elliot Ramos. Elliot Ramos, um, you know, I think Varhan said he'd like to see him kick the door down. They, this is a guy who's been a big-time prospect them for a long time, a first-round pick, all the tools in the world, great power, great speed, a really, really fun guy to watch. Um, he, he, he needs to produce and make them say, I, we have to have this guy on the team. And he can't do that. So um, he, he didn't do that last year, but hopefully this year he goes to Sacramento and he just starts putting up those numbers that, that make them call attention to you. And then I guess uh, one of the most surprising, there weren't a lot of surprising assignments for the, the rosters for the minor league teams, but one of the definite surprising assignments was uh, Ricardo Genoves, who started last year in Loe San Jose, moved up to Eugene in the middle of the summer uh, when Patrick Bailey, their first round pick from 2020, was sent down. Those two catchers swapped places in A-ball. Uh, Hanover spent the end of the year in Eugene, except for the last week of the season, he moved up to uh, Sacramento because they were short on catchers. Um, once Chadwick Trump got got uh, claimed in, in Atlanta. Um, so he got to end the year on a good note in Sacramento. He's being moved all the way up to AAA this year, uh, over AA, right to AAA. And it seems pretty clear that they view him as a guy who could be catching depth this year if they need to reach down there. He's always been a guy who had a great defensive reputation. He's got a great reputation for handling pitchers. Um, he has big power. He hasn't been a guy who has, has you know, a, a 300 hitter or anything in his career, but he's that kind of catching defense and power and leadership skills that you frequently see in, in big league catchers. He's a guy who maybe if things broke the right way, could be on a Giants team at some point this year. Um, and beyond that, you know, Jason Vossler, who we've seen before, um, Jason Krizan, uh, who's a 32 year old minor league vet, who was the best player in Sacramento last year and also beloved by most of the players. Uh, he's an interesting guy that I, I would love to see get a chance at some point if, if the need was there. And I think the organization really likes him. I, you know, one thing you say about, uh, this team under Farhan Zaidi and, and Scott Harris is they have a culture of meritocracy. If people perform, they are going to get opportunities. I think, I think that's, and it doesn't really matter who you are or what your background is. If you're the number one prospect or you're a guy who was signed as a minor league free agent, if you perform, you're going to be given an opportunity at some point. So that's a pretty cool thing. I think about the organization right now. No crash Davis is in this, in this ball club. No one who's hitting 40 <laughs> bombs in the minors and just staying in the minors. You know, that's, that was, that was uh, Tyler Rogers, right? Yeah. Tyler Rogers was performing every year and the old organization just kind of buried him in triple a. And as it turned out, he deserved the opportunity to, to show what he could do. Yeah. 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 No, sure. it's a great, it's a great point. Uh, Roger, thank you very much. Uh, if people are watching on video can see the link there rogermunter.substack.com and give your Twitter uh, your, your Twitter uh, uh, account again. It's uh, at Rog61. That's R-O-G-6-1. And uh, I always put up uh, I, so I do a daily post on the Substack Monday through Friday to cover all the action on the, the farm system and I, I'll always push it on the Twitter account so you can always find it there. All right. Thanks again for doing this. And, and Roger's uh, website has been tremendous for me to try and learn more about this stuff as we do this podcast. So, Roger, thanks again. And uh, we will, you know, if, if there if there's a guy moving through the organization and we have questions, we may 
reach out to you again and because because you're the guy you're the one in the know and you're, and you're probably going to be the best person for us to bring on again so this was great i really appreciate it uh, yeah thank you I, I, i'm happy to do that i was really really pleased that you guys uh asked me on and and were generous with your time and uh, uh we're we're leading up to the actual opening of the minor league season which is about to happen in, in minutes so yeah we can go watch some milled tv after this is yeah, done i just go. went on and bought my uh i live in reno and uh sacramento's coming up in two weeks and they had a five dollar flat sale today so i grabbed a bunch of tickets for that series so i'm very excited i'm ready to go and then brad's <laughs> going to become our podcast photographer for a few days yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> well thanks guys i appreciate it all right you, take roger. care roger all right that was uh that was roger munter uh definitely check out his stuff uh it it is awesome when we can bring on somebody who is uh you know who, who is who people are reading like He's, yeah. He mentioned Grant Brisby, and we always sort of all come back to Grant because he's like the original guy who's done something that started as just a passionate hobby, and he's actually now he's writing for The Athletic. And I know Roger said he was able to uh, to uh, stop doing his day job, and he can he can do this, and I'm sure or hopeful that that he's able to uh, you know to to make it of value for himself. So great yeah. stuff there. All right, Brad, we we are uh, we're gonna quickly just talk about some of the stuff some of the little notes and, and things that we need to before uh season starts on friday we will talk we're gonna try and do a podcast on saturday mm-hmm. morning sometime where we'll talk about what happened in opening day we're gonna try to do that a little bit more often this year where maybe if there's an important thing that you know we kind of pop in on the weekend and, and get a quick maybe not as long as this show but get a quick show out and and uh, and we're gonna do that after Friday's uh, opening day. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll do something on on Saturday, hopefully. But look out for the link. Uh, we'll probably do a, a live stream again. But um, well, th- and that's going to be a fun one too because on Saturday, see, we're not going to we're doing this on Tuesday. Yes. Uh, and opening day for us for the Giants is Friday. Opening day for Major League Baseball is Thursday. But but Saturday we're going to be able to talk about the opening day roster, which is yeah. always fun. We've done yeah. that for a couple of seasons now, and that's always fun to kind of nitpick and just kind of go through and be like, mm, oh oh, what happened? We we got somebody that's missed out. So, um, but you know, w- with with the way Farhan does things, and and if you have an option. You may end up being in Triple A to start the season. You may not be on the opening day roster. Opening day roster is super cool to be on, but you know you're going to contribute and you're going to be there. So yes, yeah, that'll be yes. a fun show. Um, okay, so uh, Tommy Listella is kind of the big news today. He was supposed to play in the final spring game, and I guess he had some soreness with uh, with the foot. And he did not play, which makes us wonder if he's even going to be on the opening day roster or if he starts the season on the DL. I know they don't have a lot of, because of some injuries, no Longoria, no Wade, you would hate to lose a, a, a utility bat like Listella's, but it looks like that may happen where he may not be with us uh, for a couple weeks there. Uh, but I, that there, there's no information about that. I haven't seen that anywhere. Just the fact that they tried to play him again and uh, and he didn't play. And then I know Brandon Crawford took one on the hand, right? Have you heard right. anything about that? I have not heard the latest, but he stayed in the game. Uh, they kind of took, took a look at it and he stayed in the game. If you stay in a game and it's spring training, it's really not serious because yes. I mean, you, you could get hit in the hand and just be like, eh, questionable. I'm probably going to be fine and they'll take you out. But the fact right. that he stayed in is a good sign. Uh, okay. So the spring training is done. 
season is upon us and Brad has put together some uh, over-unders and, and stuff where we're going to try to predict some things to happen uh, for this year. And see, the thing about this is we have to that we have to remember so we can take yeah. down the answers I'm, I'm and we can bookmark read it. them again. Yeah, I know we've done this before and I wrote it on a piece of paper. Since then, I've gotten an iMac I'm on iCloud. I'm using, uh, what, what's it called? Pages. See, I'm yeah. starting to learn the lingo. Uh, I'm using pages. So I'm doing my my reports in there and everything in there and I can save it. I can bookmark it and I can go back to it. There you go. Um, I can name the file predictions, <laughs> 2022 predictions. So it's super easy to find. Uh, so the first one, we're going to go with an over under. Uh, I've got one, two, three, four. I got five of these. Uh, we'll go through it pretty quick. Okay. Um, the first one, We've got Darren Ruff. We got Jock Peterson. There's they're, they're going to be probably a little bit of a platoon. A couple of thumpers. <clears throat> a couple of thumpers. They're going to platoon. They're also going to be in the lineup at the same time because you, you are going to need a DH this year. So um, Peterson and Ruff are very good DH candidates because they do not light up the world with their defensive prowess and their <laughs> fantastic arms. Although Peterson has a pretty good arm. But let's go with an over-under. They are both boppers. Let's go with an over-under of 60 home runs combined. What do you got? I will say I'm probably leaning closer to like the high 40s. So I will say something around 49, 50. So I will go under. Okay. And And so, yeah. And this is not to say that either of them is – going to have a bad season no no it's that with this team you know i think uh rough is in his 33 ish jock is what older 20s and there's possibility of getting hurt there's possibility of um especially for jock you know him him having him not facing uh, all right, I'm sorry for for rough him not facing right-handers in, in some situations, so that may take ABs away from him. I think both are going to have solid seasons, you know. And, and Z- uh, Zaidi's keeps saying like rough is this, you know, we couldn't find anybody out there who's a better hitter than rough. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Are you pumping sh- him up? Okay, so I'm I'm <laughs> I'm holding you accountable for this one, buddy. And then you know, Jock is we we know that Jock's going to hit now. Will will he hit in, in AT and T? The team or Oracle, the team did lead all of uh, the National League in home runs last year, right? So the park yeah. not seemed to be a big problem. So yeah, I I think they're both going to have solid seasons, but sixty maybe not high low low fifties, high forties. I could buy that. You know that got me thinking. I should have done an over under on Jock Peterson's splash hits. I don't know why I didn't throw that in there. If he if he hits two, I'll be happy. <laughs> I think he can hit like. Six or seven. Uh, how, what, I, what's I, what's I the most? Uh, have we have, we've had a couple of splash hits since Bonds? It's like yeah, Pablo Sandoval. Someone did it last year, didn't they? Belt, Belt has done it quite a few times. Belt, okay, um, yeah. Belt, Belt is probably number two on the list. I would say I wonder, uh, of I giants. I wonder if there's a stat that you can look up. I think there hit. is. I think I mean they show the graphics sometimes on uh, NBC Sports Bay Area. I'm going. I'm I'm bullish when it comes to market stuff. I'm going over. I'm oh, thinking, wow. yeah, I'm thinking one of these guys is going to hit 35. Uh, then at that point, the other guy only needs to hit 25. I'm going to go with the over on this. Um, <clears throat> I know 
Hot Take Bry today said in our text exchange, he's not too excited about this offense. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this offense. I I know we lost Posey. I know we lost Chris Bryant. We didn't have Chris Bryant that long. Yeah. Um, I think with Tyro Estrada and a couple other guys, um, you know, you know, kind of turning it on, you got Ruff, you got Peterson. If those guys can stay healthy, I think this is a, a, a an offense that could rival last year. If Yaz becomes old Yaz, um, if that sounds weird, if Baby Yaz becomes old <laughs> Yaz, who's still Baby Yaz, then then I think I think Baby Yaz hits what 30, 32 maybe. I mean, if if he's on, if he has a great season, um, this is not a team that that's going to be a slouch type of team. Let's say Joey Bart hits twenty. 22 maybe um that's doable yeah so i'm i'm going the over on this i'm going in the over on that one since 2000 yastrzemski has hit five Mm -hmm. splash hits brandon crawford has hit one stephen duggar has hit one brandon belt has hit one lamont wade jr has hit two Belt Alex has Dickerson one? has hit one. That's only since the year 2000. Now, if we count wow. all of Belt's splash hits, he had one in 19. He had one in 18. He had two in 17. He had one in 16. He had one in 14. He had two in 12. He had one in 11. So, yeah, you're probably right. He's probably 10. He's, it's, it's either him or Pablo would would probably be next to Bonds because Bonds had thirty five yeah. and Pablo is a switch hitter. I mean, if if he wasn't a switch hitter, he he might have had a couple more. But um, yeah, Belt. I mean, Belt crushes. You know how to, Belt crushes the ball when he gets a hold of it. So, mm-hmm. um, but Jock Peterson does too. I'm excited to see some Scooter, Jock Peterson. Scooter Gannett. Scooter Gannett. He was on our team. Yeah, he was. Oh, yes, he was. The, he hit one in uh, 2019. Yeah, he was a trade. Um, let's see. We ended up trading him away. That's how we got Will Wilson, right? I okay. Believe. Is that, is that it? I believe so. I, I gotta have to go back and look. You look that up. I'm going to the next one. All right. How did we get Scooter <laughs> Gannett? It's Scooter Gannett. I think it's Jeanette. Jeanette. Sco- Scooter Jeanette. I think I don't remember. Carlos Rodon. Yes. The grand prize free agent pickup for the Giants this year. No disrespect to Jack Peterson, but Carlos Rodon, the two-year big money deal. Um, in his career, I got to get back to his page here, but in his career, he has not struck out 200 batters. If he was healthy last year, he would probably have struck out 200 batters mm-hmm. because he... Let's look at his numbers here. Last year, he had 185 Ks in 24 starts. Uh, And before that, let's see, his Ks per nine uh, were 12.6 last year. That was a career high. 11.9 in 2019. Um, In the pandemic-shortened season, his Ks per nine were only seven. So he jumped up to 12.6 last year. Does Carlos Rodon strike out 200 batters this year? Over, under on that. What do you got? Okay, so based on his K per nine last year, he would have to throw about 165 innings. That would get him close. 
Right. If he throws 165 innings at 12 per, that gets him right on the doorstep. Tits, you have an unfair advantage because you're good in math. No, I just have. I, I just popped the calculator up <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm supposed to give away your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I actually looked this up because the Athletic posted something about over unders, and I was like, "Oh, this would be perfect for uh, what we're going to talk about." Nice. They had the over under for Radone. Uh, strikeouts. I think it's like 180-ish or something. Maybe it's 190. And they went over because his projected strikeouts for the season are 205, according to this, you know, this this author. So if he is, can he throw 100 and near 170 innings? I guess that's really what the question is. Because if he does, then he'll get there. I'm going to say over by a hair and that is me crossing my fingers that they don't have to shut him down at any point this year right and and i don't think they would shut him down uh let's what was his opt-out so his opt-out had oh it doesn't say it just says the opt-out i I had found that somewhere i think and i I can't remember exactly where i found oh it was on spot track um Let's go look at what his opt-out was. Because if it has anything to do with innings, I think that would kind of throw a, a wrench into the whole thing. Um, I'm going to go on the conservative side. I'm going to say the under on that. So you went under, right? No, I went over. Oh, you went over. Okay, over so by a hair. Over. Okay, yeah. over by a hair. I'm actually going under on this one. And the reason I'm going under is because we know the Giants and we know how they how they do things. Okay, so his opt out is contingent on 110 innings, so he's going to get that. Okay, uh, bar, barring an injury, um, I'm going the under on that. And the reason I'm going the under is because the 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 way the Giants do things, I I think they're going to be conservative with him. Uh, I think it's going to be you know he's going to get some rest uh, if the arm starts acting. Remember he's coming off an injury from the second half of last year, uh, and so if the arm starts getting a little weird, they're going to give him you know a, a turn off in the rotation, and that's why the Giants always say we don't have a five man rotation. We have a hundred and sixty two uh, game rotation. So I'm going. I hope it's the over, obviously, because that would be super awesome to have a 200 strikeout guy. We haven't had that in in, in a while, so that would be pretty awesome. But By the I'm, way, I'm Scooter go was Scooter was traded to the Giants in 2019 by the Reds with cash. <laughs> oh, good for the like player cash. to be named. I don't know who that player became though. Yeah, it's funny they don't tell you that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't play very much. I think he just played in a few games. Did pretty decent. Brewers had waived him a couple years before, and the Reds picked him up. Scooter Jeanette. All right. Giants won 107 games last year. Yes. Nobody predicted that because that is a franchise record. Over under on the Giants winning 90 games this season. Uh, My guess before the season or before we even started talking was 90. So I'm right on the over under. I'm going to say over because I feel like if it's under, they may not make one of those wild cards. So I'm going to say over because I think they're a wild card baseball team. Yeah. I'm going to go with the over as well, because as we know, 
this coaching staff, this front office, they know what the heck they were doing. Uh, people still question them. There's no reason to question them <laughs> at this point. Definitely going the over, probably more in like the 92, 93 range, um, possibly 95, 96. Wow. Are, are we going to see 107 again? Probably no. not. But unfortunately, you know, they're going to get hot. Um, as long as teams like the A's exist, as long as teams like the, uh, you know, the Reds exist and they keep selling <laughs> off player, Giants are going to grab some wins there. What were they against the, what were they, something like 15 and three or 15 and two against the Diamondbacks last year? Which <laughs> is um, <laughs> so rough for the Diamondbacks and, and Mad Bum. But uh, I, I think they continue some dominance over some teams this year. So I'm, I'm going the, uh, I'm going the over as well on that. All right. Tyro Estrada. A lot of people love him this year. We loved him last year. When he came up, we were super excited because uh guy came up mashing the ball. I think it was in Arizona too when he came up and, and he was mm-hmm, crushing it. Mm-hmm. He is probably going to be now with Tommy Listella down, possibly out. Um, and you've got Longoria out for six weeks. This might be a pretty easy one here, but does Tyro Estrada play in, not counting DH, does he play in 120 games? Are you going to take the over or under? Ooh, that's a great one. Okay, so what has to happen for him to play that much? Um, He's a backup shortstop. He's the backup second baseman. He can probably, I don't know if he's, did he play? I think, I think he's the year? starting second baseman right now. Okay, pro, pro, yeah. right now with Listella yeah. not right. healthy. 120 still seems like a lot to me. And I feel like if we ask him to play that much baseball, it's probably not that great of a season, especially when it comes to the injuries. Because I do want to see him play a lot too. And I hope that he finds his way into the lineup or pushes his way into the lineup. Right. I'm and, going and remember can't count the DH in this one. This is right. Positions. Yeah. So starting the, at a position. If we peg B craw at 135, 140, that only leaves 20 ish games at shortstop. Um, though. Well, I, me, do, I do think, you. I do think they're going to use the DH to rest some of these guys. So Brandon Crawford oh, oh, yeah. could play 10 to 15 games at DH. Well, let me tell you what Tyra played last year. Mm-hmm. 19 games started at short, or sorry, 14 games started at shortstop. Seven games started at second base. Five games started in the outfield. And one game started at third base. I'm still going to take the under, but I think it's actually more, I think he's actually going to play more games than I originally thought because of his ability to slide in and because I think they're going to be really smart about the DH. I like that. I like, I like that. I'm going the over because here's my wild and crazy prediction that Tyra Estrada starts out at second base and just has such a fantastic season. By the time Listella comes back, by the time Longoria comes back, you can't take him out of the lineup. You have to find a place for him to play. So I'm going to go. This is my crazy prediction. I'm going to go over on this one because of his performance and not because of injuries. Be great for the team, right? They'd have to find yeah. ways to get him in the ball in the in the lineup. Well, it gives you that fantastic depth that the Giants have had the last couple of years too, which is which is great. 
All right, last one. And this is courtesy of you. Because yep. I had this I had this written different and I like yours much better. <laughs> so most saves on the team this year between Camilo Duvall, Jake McCheese McGee, and Tyler Rogers. So McCheese led the team last year, right? He led uh, the team he, in saves. He did, yes. I think it's going to be Duvall, but I don't think the Giants are going to employ a situation where Duvall closes every game. This is not the way that they do things. He's going to be asked to throw some eighth innings when it's a heavy right-handed hitting lineup coming in. He's going to be asked to get a guy out in the the seventh inning who's the best right-handed hitter on the team. And that's kind of the way that they'll employ it. Uh, They use Rodgers similarly. They don't. I I would hesitate to say that they're, that Rogers is going to uh, get a lot of saves because they sort of. I think they know that that's not his best inning for whatever reason. So I think it's going to be Duvall or McGee, and I could see Duvall getting twenty two saves and McGee having like sixteen saves. Like I could see them being that tight, but I still think Duvall will get more of the opportunities because especially early in the season, younger dude, you know, he could probably go out there as many times as they want and he won't really, and and you're, and you're going to use the veterans a little bit more conservatively, especially early on. So I'll go Duvall. And and maybe they set it up. So Duvall gets some two out saves early in the season, you know, or one out save because that, Bro, that stupid rule of <laughs> you must pitch to three <laughs> batters. So, so maybe they set it up, and and that doesn't apply if you finish an inning. So, yes. if you finish an inning after facing one batter, you can come in the next inning face one batter, and then you don't have to face a third. So maybe they set it up so he gets some two out saves, a, a one out save here and there, just to get his feet wet again for save opportunities uh, really quick last year um, save opportunities. 36 went to Jake McGee, 19 went to Tyler Rogers and then Duvall and Latell were tied with six. And of course, Duvall came out late in the season. Yep. Uh, ha- half the amount of innings pitch, almost half a- as, as Latell, and they got the same amount of save opportunities. This one is super tough. When you said it, I, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I like that one. And then I started thinking about it. I go, oh, it could be a three-way tie. I mean, the, the way the Giants use this, yeah. uh, use their relievers. So you got Duvall, righty. You got McGee. Lefty, you got Rogers, righty, and all. I mean, Duvall and McGee, kind of the same type of pitcher, power pitchers, and then Tyler Rogers, just all over the place. Um, McGee and Rogers, I think, are going to be. Or, or, sorry, McGee and Duvall, I think, like I said, are, are going to be pretty, pretty close. Um, I got to give the edge to Duvall also, mm-hmm. uh, beca- and simply because, like you said, to later in the season. He's going to be, you know, the salty vet, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's only his second season. He's he's going to be, I mean, he's still going to be dicing him up. He's got the confidence. We saw the confidence in him. Um, you know, gave up gave up the loss uh, to the Dodgers in game five. But, I mean, really, he was just pounding the strikes on. Um, 
Bellinger did a great uh, Bellinger had a great at bat. That's that's the bottom line. We hate it, but it happened. Yep. Um and and that's what you get, Bellinger. Now you get to strike out every at bat in spring training. So yeah, so I'm going for it with Duvall on that one. I, I don't know the number of saves. I, I'm gonna say close to, you know, around twenty six, twenty seven, probably when it's all said and done. There we go. All right. All right. So everybody, happy opening day in a few days here. I know uh, I'm working from home that day, so I will definitely have the game going on in the background. And then uh, Brad and I will attempt to be back Saturday morning to talk about said game. And uh, and yeah, I think it's going to be a fun season. And because of what we're going to try to do with our podcast and with our our, uh, our feed and and a new YouTube channel and social, I think it's just going to be fun overall. Niners uh, draft you know, we, 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 we did everything we did last year in the draft uh, for, for Trey Lance. This will be a little bit less newsworthy draft, but <laughs> draft is coming up for football. Warriors playoffs are starting in, uh, in less than two weeks. Baseball season is starting for the Giants. It's really like a fascinating time uh, to be a sports fan um, if you like all, all the sports. So it'll be fun for, for, this, for, for our new Bay Area Sports Podcast Network uh, BSPN. So yeah, so we'll be back, uh, like we said this weekend. And of course, then the following Tuesday, uh, after my first live game of the season. So for Brad and, and thanks to Roger as well for Roger. Yeah. Uh, I am double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace. This is Kirk Henderson from pod Maverick, a Dallas Mavericks podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now they're raising another round on WeFunder, WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you'd like to be part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, Go to WeFunder.com slash BlueWire. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow. But I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.